Welcome to Funny Women Behind the Scenes, a sequent covered podcast hosted by international showgirl and comedian Ivy Page. We'll be exploring what it's really like to work in the entertainment industry, from live comedy and cabaret to television and film. Brought to you by Funny Women, the leading community for female comedy. So let's get on with the show and welcome your host, Ivy Page. Welcome. This is your flame-haired titan of teas, Ivy Page, in my burlesque boudoir, a place of glitz, glamour and show business guests. Take a seat on my chaise lounge as we break the fourth wall, peel back the velvet curtains and reveal what really happens in the world of entertainment behind the scenes. I'm very excited as today I am joined by award-winning comedy writer Christine Rose, whose writing credits include The BAFTAs, The Graham Norton Show, 8 Out of 10 Cats, Have I Got News For You, The Royal Variety Show, and a writing credit list that's so long I don't think we'd get through it in the length of this podcast. And of course, last year she won the Funny Women Best Comedy Writer Award with Comedy 5050. It's an absolute pleasure to have you here christine welcome thank you ivy very good to be here i've got Uh, my necklace on and i've got a pint of uh i've got champagne in a pint glass well well, you can see what my burlesque (laughs) boudoir looks like Uh, so christine um i would like to ask you tell us a bit about your incredible career in comedy to date well it's been about 15 16 years i'm doing it now um I started out just doing sporadic uh, work on panel shows, mm-hmm. um, supplemented by writing other stuff. I was doing webs- a lot of website things. I was the editor of the uh, Big Brother website at the time. There was several editors and we would rotate shifts. And- so what, what does that mean specifically to uh, some of our listeners who might not know what that actual job is so what is the what would the editor have been doing for for writing for big brother online what would they have been doing so we had a team we had several teams because of the way big brother worked um you would basically have to have somebody manning the website cabin at all times which is the same for the main show because they you know the people are in the house they have to be recording them all the time and we would write stories detailing what was happening in the house and we would put them up on the website and we would cut videos so we had a little team with an editor a writer um a a guide to the videos um someone to upload the content and we would move in teams so our team would do the day shift someone would do the night shift and it was sort of rolling thing um, i imagine from a writing perspective that's just the fast-paced environment isn't it because this things were well i love i was a big fan of big brother so uh, things yeah, must have been changing yeah re- really quickly yeah exactly and you have to constantly and you're watching the uncomplied feed so you, you're seeing everything from the house so a lot of the editor's job was to help pick out stories that were going to be relevant and also to make sure you weren't putting any content up that they wouldn't want to go out you know if somebody had you know there was lots of things like people talking about people they knew in the real world and you couldn't let a lot of that go out because they those people didn't give permission to be talked about on tv so there was lots of compliance issues so you had to make sure that 
you weren't putting any content out, but also that the content was regular. So every couple of hours we had to put content on the website. So it was, you know. So do you think those um, skills from that show would have kind of helped for writing comedy for panel shows? Well, it was certainly makes you understand how television is made to a point, you know, not all television is made like reality shows, but, you know, you understand a lot of the pressure that people are under that you have to, you know, things have to be written in a, in a certain tone for that time of day or, you know, yeah, things that are entertaining, but work for the show. And I think that those sorts of things I would really take into writing going forward because writing tonally for the show whatever show you're doing and understanding the audience is is really important I think but yeah I had to sort of I carried on doing it for as long as I could but then I started to get more comedy writing work and so I moved more into that and also the show was winding down and the website wasn't as you know popular as it used to be so what so what was the kind of next phase in terms of your career as a comedy writer where did you go next um well before that I worked in um like interactive tv like gaming and so I was made redundant and so I was in this middle point between I was going to go and work for Sony for launch of um PlayStation 3 um and then I started to have little bits of work here and there on panel shows and new shows that were coming but not enough to sustain me so it was one of those sort of crossroads in life where you have to make a decision do I just carry on doing what I've been doing or do I see if I can you know I didn't even know that being a full-time comedy writer was really a thing I knew it's it's not something they tell you about at school is it on the jobs that are available to you absolutely not that was definitely not in the careers advice and that's the thing and because you're freelance you're like can I can I get enough work for this to be full-time is this something I'll just do occasionally? Do I want to be freelance? You know, it's a it's a stressful thing being freelance and always having to look for more work, never knowing when the next job might be. So how do you manage that as a writer? Like, is it your reputation? Is it your agent? How, how do you get the gigs? I always say to people, don't think your agent is going to get you work. I think that's a real mistake people make if they go oh I've got this agent and she's not working hard enough for me and she's not doing this and it's like you should be getting your own work your Mm. agent is there to help you and advise you and to negotiate money and you might get treated a bit better if you have an agent but an agent is not going to get you work because people book you because they want you or at least they want to try you out at the beginning but then your aim is for them to rebook you and if they're rebooking you it's because they like you not because your agent has said you know I think can put you forward for things but Mm. you know it's it depends on whether the show is gonna you know take a chance on on new people and I'd got most of I got a lot of my own work before I got an agent and I've never expected her to get me anything because I think that's weird I think it's really we've we've spoken about this with a lot of comedians as well. This the talk about agents. Do you get an agent or do you don't or don't you do you don't or don't you? <laughs> um, I think there's arguments for both, but it's really interesting listening to your perspective as a comedy writer um, that 
it's almost isn't it that the agent should facilitate your talent as opposed to direct everything I don't yeah a a show might want to try out some new writers and if your agent puts you forward and says oh I've got this writer maybe you should try them occasionally they might go oh okay but not usually usually you've got those contacts yourself and they're contacting your agent to book it is harder when you start out how did you get an agent what was your, did they come to you? And uh, I mean, I looked at your incredible credit, li- uh, like writing credit list. Well, it was just going and going and going. Uh, amazing. Um, did the agents come to you or did you go to them? Um, they came to me, actually. Um, I was, I'd already got some writing work and I was in, I was in a writer's room somewhere um, with another writer called Phil Kerr and his agent was he was on the phone to his agent and his agent was saying who's in the room who's in the room and he was telling her who was in the room and she was like oh I don't know that girl tell her to give me a call and so I did and we went for coffee and she was going she seemed quite impressed that I'd managed to kind of get quite far by myself so does a lot of does a lot of networking happen in the writers rooms I suppose it's hard really because you're competing against everyone else for work Mm. So, you know, people are supportive of each other and, you know, people will help each other get work sometimes if they're on a, if they're on a show and they're looking for another writer, they might put forward the name of someone. But at the same time, you are, you are competing with other people for work mm. and there's only so much work. So on that note, I wanted to ask you, um, T, what are your career highlights? Um. Oh wow, there's quite a lot. I mean, there's the first time you see you get your name on the on the credits for something. The first time a joke you've written and makes it through to the edit of a show. Um, you know, the first time you get drunk on free wine in the green room. <laughs> I like you remember know. those times too. I know there's just not any good green rooms anymore. I suppose in terms of jobs. Um, Probably TV BAFTAs. I've written a lot of the TV BAFTAs. Um, I've done the film BAFTAs the last couple of years. And last year's film BAFTA, I really loved it because it was pre-COVID. It was just sneaked in before the world exploded. So there was a big party afterwards. You know, there was loads of huge stars there. Um, We'd written some jokes about the Irishman um, that were in the monologue. And Robert De Niro was backstage because he was waiting to go on and present an award and he was watching the monologue on a monitor. And I was like, oh no, what's Robert De Niro going to say? And I was just waiting for him to kind of roll his eyes and tut and, and he just started laughing at all the jokes. So I was like, we're, we're good. Quentin Tarantino in the audience, not so much, but um, <laughs> that was a good one. Um, I had to write for Samuel L. Jackson once at the GQ Awards, which was terrifying because you don't get to, you don't get to meet them and sort of go, oh, do you like this? Mr L Jackson you you just have to kind of write it blind so that was kind of terrifying but exciting yeah they I wasn't allowed any contact with him or even his people so you know I don't know that seems weird to me but that's that's the way they do it amazing female writers writing for these famous men (laughs) I know (laughs) well that's the thing it's fun because online someone might say something on you know people love to go and sack the writers if there's something they don't like and you know 
there'll be one year they don't like the TV BAFTA script. Oh, we didn't like that. I much preferred Graham Norton's last year. And you're like, well, I wrote both of them, so... <laughs> You're listening to Funny Women Behind the Scenes. All the backstage gossip and more. I want to roll roll back a little bit to talk about writing for the BAFTAs. So these are the big opening speeches. The can you explain to us a little bit more about? Yeah. So there's they normally have uh, two sets of writers on it really. So they have the writers for the host. Mm -hmm. For most of the TV BAFTAs for me, that was Graham Norton. Um, I did a couple of years for Sue Perkins. Um, And then you have the citation writers. And the citations are the pieces that the presenters say when they come out. So Graham Norton's script, for example, will be the opening monologue, the topical jokes, the jokes about TV, and then his intros into the presenters. So Mm -hmm. next up, I call them the bloody blahs. Next (laughs) up to present the bloody blah. He's bloody, he's bloody, he's certainly bloody, he's bloody. And then they come out they'll have a piece to say. And those are written by people normally. And then they have to decide if they like them. And it's a hard job, the citation writing job, because you're writing without knowing the people and, you know, not knowing their sense of humour. And it has to be sort of funny, but not too funny. So those are those are hard. I don't envy the citation writers. Have you... Um, feel free to not answer this as well. Uh, but uh, <laughs> oh, <God. laughs> do, do you have a, a favourite person that you've ever written for um I have a few favorites really and they're sort of my favorites for different reasons um I love Graham Norton I really enjoyed doing his chat show I, he's brilliant at what he does and I really enjoyed all the all the um you know he's quite fearless when it comes to doing jokes at the sort of at the tv BAFTAs he you know I think as well he can kind of get away with it he mm. has a charm and he can it doesn't things don't sound mean coming out of his mouth which is which is nice um jimmy carr i love writing for jimmy card i started out writing for jimmy um and uh yeah he's taught me a lot about joke writing over the years um yeah i like jason manford i've written for for a long time alan carr is just amazing so yeah, there's quite a few people really. I'm um, loving all of these comedians that I love who are men and <laughs> loads of their jokes are written by an amazing comedy female comedy writer. It just made my day. Um, that's the thing, like you shouldn't, you know, as long as you're writing in their tone and in their voice, you know, it doesn't matter who who you you're writing for, you know, you just have to get into their tone and get into their world and I think that's that's how you get a lot of work as well because you're able to change tone depending on who you're writing for. If you you might be good at writing for one person, but that person, you know, is not going to be on television all the time, you know. And even if they are, they might decide at some point that they don't want to be anymore. So you need to have lots of different places that you can get work from, really. That must be a very specific skill as a writer to be able to adapt um, your joke writing and comedy writing to so many different voices. I think some people do it naturally. Like I like mimicking people and I, I'm quite good at remembering conversations and and I think I can just hear stuff in someone's voice. I can hear when it sounds right and when it sounds wrong. I mean, you don't always get it right. Sometimes you're like, yes, they're going to love this one. And they're like... No thanks. But if you can try and 
get into their mindset most of the time, then because that's the worst thing, just giving material to somebody that's completely inappropriate for them. This is Funny Women Behind the Scenes. If you want to know more about us, visit www.funnywomen.com. Did you always know you could write jokes? Um, no, I knew that I liked being funny, but I wouldn't say I, I was, I wouldn't write a lot of jokes or anything in terms of the structured jokes that they require on a TV show. And I, I was asked when I started doing panel shows, I was asked if I could write topical jokes by one of the producers. And I was like, well, I don't know. So she just sent me a way to write some. And then she sat with me and went through them. And you just have to learn really by doing it and, seeing what makes it through to the show, seeing what people like, and you go, okay, why do they like that one and not that one? Mm. And then next time you do it, you do more like that, less like that. And then over time, you just, it's a, it's a training system really that you kind of develop yourself. You just sort of learn over time. That's how I felt. And I'm sure it's the same for stand-ups, you know, when they start out their joke writing is not great. And then over time they learn, okay, this one got a good laugh. Why this one is better than this one. And mm. But you have to start somewhere. That's the kind of point, isn't it? You have to write that joke. Exactly. To work. Yeah. And you just need someone that knows to say, you're quite good at this. And then sometimes that's what you need. And you're like, oh, okay, well maybe I'll, maybe I'll try again. Maybe I can get better at this. And, and with each job, you know, just take every opportunity that that's given to you and with each job you learn something else you obviously have written for lots so many high profile people but have you ever performed your own jokes or do you only write for other people no i only write for other people and i i think that that for me makes me a better writer for other people because i think i have no desire to be a performer i've no desire to be on stage and people often say to me, oh, don't you see when someone else is getting a laugh from a joke that you've written, don't you feel, you know, like, oh, that laugh could have been mine. And I don't think that. And I think if you do think that, then this isn't, this isn't the job for you because you, you should be giving all of your best material to the person you're working for. I think that's so interesting, isn't it, in terms of when we think about the world of comedy, that there are all these other jobs that exist that people don't particularly recognise. They think they think a stand-up comedian writes every single joke themselves. You know, they do write all their own jokes when they're t- doing the cl- touring the clubs, you know, because they can have a set that they can tour around the country with. And, you know, you don't keep changing a set every five minutes mm-hmm. when you're a stand-up. You know, you, you use the same set for a while. But then as soon as you're on TV... You, you have a, such a high turnover of, of material because once you've said it, you can't keep saying the same jokes like you would if you were touring the country to different people every night. So the fact that things need to be topical, they need to be written quickly by a certain time, sh- records of shows go on for hours, whereas people see a half an hour show and they go, well, there's no, couldn't they have written that themselves? It's like the record was two and a half hours. You know, there's been 200 jokes that went in the bin to get really that many well you know on a show like i've got news for you we were reams and reams of stuff and only a certain amount of that makes the script and then only a certain amount of that will make the edit so there's there's a lot of wastage and to to expect you know i I was saying this to someone the other day that 
you know, in America, they're really open about having writers and nobody expects Jimmy Fallon to go home and stay up all night writing monologue jokes. He he couldn't do that every day himself. You know, he, mm. he's got people that help him and because it's, it's too much for one person. I've got this image of a writer's room with a bin and it's just full of jokes <laughs> and they're just chucking Basically, a bin, chucking a bin, yeah, chucking yeah. a bin, chucking a bin. Um, well, so- we don't put them in the bin. We <sighs> give them all. And then someone else goes, no, someone else puts them in the bin. So, but, okay, you know. so, so what's the process of that? You in the writer's room, you're writing the jokes. Um, what happens after you've written them? So it depends on the show. We don't have writer's rooms for everything. Some, a lot of the time now you're writing at home on your own. Say eight out of ten Cats does Countdown, for example, we, we have a writer's room. So then we'll look at who the guests are going to be that week. There'll be a lot of comedians. There'll be, you know, Sean and... John, Susie Dent, Rachel Riley, they all need jokes written about them. So we'll just write loads of jokes. Then they'll go to Jimmy. Jimmy will mark up the ones that he likes. Those ones will go into the script. Then they'll have a script read. The producers will say, oh, I like that one. I'm not sure about that one, Jimmy. <laughs> not sure about you saying that one on telly. And then they'll decide if, if there's any gaps, if they need more. And we start again. Nine years of jokes we've written about. Rachel Riley and Susie then. <laughs> it's still good fun. What does it feel like when you when you when you hear your joke? It's great. When you get a really good reaction from it, that's brilliant. Yeah. Absolutely not. I still love it now. And I still watch stuff back and watch see what made the edit. Um, you know, for most things that I do. Not just sort of big topical shows or chat shows, because I want to know what's made it because you're still learning every time okay that person likes that joke and I'm going to try and file that in my brain for the next time I write for them so can you talk me through a typical day of a comedy writer um in a room if we're in a writer's room oh yeah oh it doesn't have to be a writer's room but for you what's your typical day um if I'm writing from home I try and start quite early because I think the brain I'm not a morning person by any stretch of the imagination, but it's such a weird job in that your 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 brain is really firing and it burns out, which is why you kind of you start on a high and then as the day goes on, it just becomes harder and harder and harder and harder. So trying to get a decent amount of work done in the morning, working out what they need you to do, and then making sure you've got enough time in the day because you don't want to spend all morning working on one thing and then realise you've got 50 things to do in the afternoon. So kind of, yeah, if you're on your own, just trying to plan your time properly and make sure you've done everything that they need you to do because you have to send it by the end of the day, which I quite like because it's done and it's over. Um, Whereas in normal office jobs, they just sort of go on forever. There's no end. But yeah, in a writer's room, you know, we might come in about 10 have a chat with people have a coffee talk about stuff you've seen in the news but yeah try and try and get on it by about 11 I find and then yeah just try and work out what to have for lunch that's always an important part <laughs> of my day there's <laughs> the thing it's like you're always obsessed with lunch it's like but you're sort of trapped in a room and you know they don't always like you to leave I think that kind of stems from the old days when writers would leave and go to the pub and not come back. But we don't do that now. 
but the good old days yeah <laughs> so i want to can we talk about the award winning oh, the funny women comedy on. you can't see this at home but uh, christine <laughs> has an incredible uh funny women exercise that i was given so what does the what did winning the award mean to you it was so good like i know it was a new award um but yeah i know i never win anything and and you know the fact that i don't want to be a performer i'm not sort of oh i need to be on stage and i need to have adulation you know that's all fine and everything but it is lovely when someone goes oh you know all that stuff you've been doing all that content you've been producing and all those you know for the last 15 years some people have noticed <laughs> and that's really nice because it's you know it's been a long time and it's slow when you start out and you're like is any, sometimes you do shows you're like does anyone even watch this does anyone even know this is this so you, for people to the, the fact that it's voted for by the industry as well you know they ask people in the industry that I think is one of the best things. But yeah, I was so pleased. I've literally never won anything. And even with, you know, scripted sitcom writers, you know, there's much more scope for them to get awards. But for writers of the everyday stuff, the panel shows, the chat shows, you know, the awards themselves, you know, the fact that I do so many different award shows, uh, I've pretty much given an award to everyone. <laughs> <laughs> So it was really nice to, to for someone to go, well done you. It's just nice. So yeah, I was very pleased, very pleased. It must have felt really quite special to have been nominated by industry people. Yeah, definitely. It would have been nice if everyone could have been together in a room. And mm. But it's not often a cat gets to see me win an award. <laughs> that was quite nice. <laughs> so what have you done since winning the award? What have you been up to? Well, there's been a lot of sitting around at home, obviously. Same for everyone. Yeah, this year has just been crazy and not in a good way. So, yeah, there's been a lot of worrying about work getting back on its feet, but it definitely seems to be nature is healing. Mm. Uh, so there's definitely been a lot more work around recently. But, yeah, I did the film BAFTAs again. I did, um, yeah, we're doing panel shows and Cats Just Countdown. Lots of different things bobbing around. I've been doing this uh, female-led uh, topical show for Comedy Central. So that's really exciting. So, And you're going to be invited to our live final, uh, the live Funny Women final, on the 23rd of September. I don't know if you know that, but I'm telling oh, you. Oh, I don't know that. Yeah. Lovely. You've got to be a special guest. Oh. Everyone will be quaking their boots, knowing because I want to such a high-caliber so, <laughs> joke writer in the audience. <laughs> um, do you have any tips for any... Um, budding comedy writers I always think about this quite a lot because I do get asked this and it's so hard because there's no formal way into this industry really um and so I haven't done it in a way that other people have done I've never really written for radio I've done a small amount but you know I've never written on the news quiz or news jack so I would sort of say don't worry about the route because it doesn't really matter what the route is you know it's more important that you try and work out you know what you want to do within the comedy industry do you want to write sketches do you want to do scripted comedy do you want to write topical jokes you know my advice would be if you want to have a lot of work you need to be able to write for lots of different things 
So if you're just going to say, I only want to write sketches or I only want to write topical jokes, you know, you're, you're cutting out a whole section of television work that you could do. You know, there are quiz shows and game shows and magic shows and kids shows and, you know, in my opinion, you should work on all of them so you know how to do those. But, you know, if someone's offering you a quiz show and you're like, oh, I want to do sketches, it's like, well, the more of these jobs you do, the more experience you get. And, yeah, it means you can work all year round as well. Newer writers seem to be quite obsessed with being staffed on things or maybe being staffed at the BBC as a comedy writer. And I know they do that, but for maybe one or two people a year, and so those sorts of things, you know, if you get it, that's great for you. But most people aren't going to get that. And I think it's good not to be staffed on things because you need to be free to go and take any job that's offered to you. Try lots of different things. Go and work on different shows. Learn what you need to say at certain times. You don't want to be doing racy jokes too early. You don't want to be doing too mild, too late. And all of those things will make you better writer but yeah just just apply for everything you can send jokes into places you know people just want writers that are consistent that can write quickly you know practice writing jokes so that if you do get a job somewhere you're not just suddenly sitting there going oh god i don't know how to also don't worry if you feel stressed early on because as i said before everybody is quite rubbish when they start because you have to learn how to do it and get better. Also, learn from the older people. I learned so much from all the, the lovely, crusty old writers, the curmudgeonly guys that get a lot of stick. But, you know, they taught me so much. And, you know, you can you can really learn a lot from, from people that have been around doing it. So, yeah, it's just, just hang around a bit, you know. Don't take the fact that you don't have a load of work initially to heart because no one does it took me years of building up contacts and you're going to have a lot of downtime because you do even now beginning of the year and august dead christine it's been such a pleasure to talk to you I, I i would love to carry on but i want everybody where can they find you oh i hate this question because i'm not i'm on twitter or what shows can they watch that you've written for if you wanted to say that as well Oh, uh, what am I doing at the moment? Oh, I'm doing League of Their Own in summer. Catster's Countdown. Gotta love Catster's Countdown. Oh, have I got news for you? I'm doing that at the moment. So, yeah, just, I don't know, just lots of stuff. I'm on Twitter. I'm not on Instagram. I keep thinking I should be. And then I just think I'm not very good at taking photos. So I'm 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 personally going to take from that about not input, putting jokes on Twitter. I love that because it's your work, isn't it? It's, yeah, and it's like sometimes I do, but normally if I've got something really good, I think I can't put that on Twitter because I'm going to need that. And once you know, not that my Twitter is going to be seen by that many people, but you know, Christine, it's been an absolute pleasure. Um, I will never ever watch the BAFTAs award speeches in the same way again. <laughs> I'm going to be thinking of listening to your words. Um, Go and check her out and watch all the programmes she writes for. Thanks, Ivy. It's nice to see you. Oh, it's lovely to see you too. Uh, Such an inspiring interview. Amazing. Thank you so much. I'm enticing her out of the gin cabinet. Uh, Let's welcome our head honcho, Lynn Parker. Hi. 
I'm very curious about the word honcho, by the way. I don't know what it means. Do you? I, 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 for me, it means all, all powerful. Oh, well, okay, I'll take that. <laughs> <laughs> but well, talking of honchos and all powerful, what an amazing interview. What an incredible interview and a very, very inspiring guest. So what did you take out of that, Ivy? Well, first of all, I think it's really interesting about how many jobs are out there in the comedy world that you might not think exist. Yeah, well, you know, just if you think about what I do, you know, I'm in the comedy world, but I don't perform comedy. And a lot of people think when you introduce yourself and you say you run Funny Women, the first thing they ask is, are you a comedian? But what Christine's interview proves is there's so much more that goes on behind the scenes, literally, uh, to be that, you know, to be like Jimmy Carr or Graham Norton, you know, and have your jokes told by them. I think that's an incredible thing, don't you? I, it, For me, it really kind of highlights the, the incredible skill that people have who can write jokes. Mm. And for other people in yeah. their voice, yeah, I think that's I think that's fascinating because there are lots of great performers, and there are lots of great performers, particularly in the world of TV, which I thought was really interesting. Christine highlighted that when you're on TV, you can't reuse a joke again and again no. and again. You know, the audiences expect new stuff every time. So, with that in mind, the, the kind of the sheer amount of writing that is available yeah. to to writers I think it's really really interesting and perhaps something that people who write jokes or like to write comedy and all its different um kind of genres that yeah. perhaps people don't really consider well t television just eats up content you know and any day of the week if you look at the listings just how much stuff is going on you know and they're churning out panel shows and sketch shows and new sitcoms all the time there's a there's a role for everyone to play if you if you want to what christine proves is that if you have a a mission and a passion i just loved her her work ethic as well was just so fantastic lots to be learned from that very fearless very committed mm. learned her craft she's been doing it a long time this is not an overnight career this is 15 years and quite a lot of even comedians that you see that appear to have come from nowhere have been working hard you know, for many, many years. So I thought that was a really fantastic insight into another I, side I of the industry. I think what that kind of shows us, isn't it, is that hard work pays off. Yes, yeah. And you can be that person. And, you know, you don't have to be a comedian to work, you know, to, to get... Well, it's interesting. She said she's never won an award. There should be more awards for people behind the scenes. And actually, you know, the, the BAFTAs and that have great craft awards, don't they, for yeah. you know, costume designers and script and music. So that's something I think running the Funny Women Awards, I'm really, I have to say, I'm super proud we now have that award. So that's something I'm going to go away with tonight, which is great. Well, I think, I think it's really important because without comedy writers... Um, there wouldn't be the huge amount of comedy that we have and some really significant performers would not perhaps have some of the standout no. jokes that they've had. No. Uh, well, I wanted to come and write the uh, script for our Funny Women Awards final this year. <laughs> I, just... I want her to write my new show. <laughs> <laughs> I think she's going to be getting quite a lot of offers. <laughs> I don't think any of us can afford her. No, so. I was just going to say that. I think uh, we might have to talk to her agent. Um, there was just one last thing that I wanted to say, which I felt was really important, which was that 
apart from exp- getting the experience and learning and listening being reliable which is another thing you know show mm. up be there be in the room um taking criticism learning from what people tell you doesn't work is as important and i learned that as a journalist there was a big parallel with my early career in journalism where you would write an article and then you get you know a red pen as it was in those days all very analog a big red pen through your copy but it's a similar process you learn by keep on doing it and it's that you learn more from your mistakes than you do from from your successes it's an interesting theme because if we think about a lot of the other guests we've had um on behind the scenes they have all said very similar things yes yeah so learn you know learn from your mistakes take the criticism on board and get better you know perhaps, yeah, i was going to say perhaps that's you know to get to that next level of success that's you know our guests have had perhaps that's one of the key factors this, to elevate yourself you have to be critical yes absolutely well, I'm going to send you back to the gin cabinet. I think after such an incredible episode, you deserve a, a, a nice G&T. <laughs> we will get a sponsor one day. I, I'm, I, th- I think we're working on that. I just, if I keep referring to gin enough times, yeah. I, f- I feel like the They're product placement there. is coming to us. <laughs> They're out there. <laughs> Thanks, Ivy. You've been listening to Funny Women Behind the Scenes with Ivy Page. If you like us, please subscribe, review and share. 